Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. If you've ever seen that hashtag or someone post something online and they kind of end the post with asking for a friend, maybe they're revealing something uh, about themselves, they're embarrassed a little bit about, maybe it's a funny post about all of our uh, likes and dislikes, maybe it's something about how much they, they, they love this, that, or the other thing, or the behavior that we all do, and you've seen some people post something and they just say, asking for a friend, which really means, hey, I'm asking for myself. And uh, I thought, hey, we like to have some fun here, so I figured let's start off with a little bit of fun, and I'm going to just post and show you some real asking for a friend uh, posts from Twitter. Here we go. Number one is, it's socially acceptable to hide in a closet and drink coffee all while hiding from four tiny humans, right? I bet there's some moms out there that could identify with that one, that you're like, I just want to drink my coffee in silence and solitude, and if I need to lock myself in, in the closet to do it, then I'm going to do it. Okay, this one's great, too. I love this one. Did you even eat pizza rolls if you, if you didn't burn your mouth to a crisp? Okay, so maybe all the teenagers know this one a little bit better. Uh, if you don't, if you've never eaten pizza rolls, your mouth is about to be shredded because they're boiling lava hot on the inside. This one's my favorite though. Number three, which essential oil should I put in the diffuser to get my life back together? Okay, so if you know the answer to that one, make sure you catch me in the lobby or at the block party after church and let me know um, because I'm trying to figure that out right now. So, uh, but today, like, hey, we have real questions though, right? We have real questions on how do we live out our faith? How do we live our life so that uh, we have a connection uh, with God that, that is a fruitful relationship, that we see things move forward in our, our relationship with God. And we have real questions, and we talked last week about how we hear the voice of God uh, and what that means in our life and that we can all hear the voice of God. And today we want to we focus in really kind of on how I forgive. Now this is a big one because unforgiveness is something we probably all wrestle with, and it's to varying degrees. Some of us have a really easy time uh, forgiving people, and God bless you if that's you. But others, man, we really wrestle, and it's hard for us that we, we get offended or we, we take things personal. And I think there's different levels of forgiveness that we need to give to other people. And we have to realize that our relationships with one another and uh, people around us, we need to build a, uh, a pattern of forgiveness throughout all of it. But we struggle with that. Sometimes it's just everyday conflict, maybe with a family member or a coworker, and we get upset about it. We hold on to it. Maybe we get mad. Maybe we even, we even yell at them a little bit back and forth, but we just kind of have some friction there where they hurt us or they did something. And that might be just a little more surface level. There's things that eventually will just kind of fade away in us. But I think there's also really deep hurt that we, some of us have experienced that Maybe it's a deep hurt that someone did to you, maybe even when you're younger. Maybe it was actually abusive, something abusive that happened to you. And I think that's really serious that we go through those things, but that we learn to forgive through even all of it, through the, the everyday and through the deep stuff. And I know that maybe some of you have gone through hard things that God doesn't want you to stay bound by those things. He doesn't want you to live in a bitterness and unforgiveness uh, 
uh, because of the hurt or the abuse or what happened to you at one time of being. And I just want to give you that encouragement today. God doesn't want you to go through life just carrying that. I actually wrote this down as I was preparing this week because it was just a reminder. I, I think it's someone might, maybe needs this reminder that what someone has done to you was never meant to define you. Let me say it again so it, like, it resonates a little bit and you can be like, mm-hmm, that was good. Like I'm writing that down. What someone has done to you was never meant to define you. And I think it's sometimes that in unforgiveness that we allow those things to hold on have a hold in our life. We hold on to them. They become defining things. But why do we struggle with unforgiveness? Unforgiveness is something we all, if we're struggling with it, there's some real reasons behind why we are struggling with it. We've, we feel like sometimes if we forgive someone that we're letting them off the hook. We are saying, hey, go, go, go for it. Like, I'm not going to uh, hold, hold you to it, and, and they can just do whatever they want. And we feel like, oh, we're just giving them a free pass. And it actually feels like injustice. You see, we want to retaliate, right? We want revenge sometimes. We want to make them pay. But the reality is, like, when we forgive, we, we change the course of things in that relationship. We actually, we feel like that if we don't forgive them or if we get revenge or that we retaliate and we don't let them off the hook, we feel like then we have the power. But it's actually opposite of that. It's that when we forgive that we then have the power in that relationship. I was reading this week on a study called The Psychology of Revenge. And I thought it was so interesting because these uh, scientists actually did a study of the brain that when people were going to get revenge, they studied the wavelengths and what was happening and the, the response of the brain when someone went to get revenge for something that had been done to them. But then they tracked kind of the time following that as well to try to track where the brain activity went and emotions went. And it was interesting in the study that the benefits of and the, the tendency to exact revenge really had like a real quick satisfaction, but then it quickly faded. And actually, it faded to the point to where the brain, they found that instead of quenching hostility, that the revenge actually prolonged the unpleasantness of the event. That there was, uh, that it didn't resolve it and, and put us at peace, that unforgiveness or revenge doesn't put us at peace, but instead it just stretches out the event. And it, and it doesn't, we don't actually deal with it and resolve it. Instead, we just act on it. We might get a little bit of satisfaction off of it, but that fades, and actually we we're miserable afterwards. And that's why unforgiveness and bitterness can grab a hold of us and, and can hurt and can be something we struggle with. And we feel like, man, I want that person to pay for what they did. I think the other reason we struggle sometimes is we maybe are looking for the person that wronged us to come to us and apologize, right? Isn't it a lot easier to uh, forgive someone when they come before you and they're just like, if someone's like, Don, I'm sorry I did this. I didn't intend to do that. And I realize how that made you feel. And uh, that was not my intention. But I, I, I really wanted to just 
communicate this or say this or I, I was thinking about this. And they come to you with this earnest and honest apology. Like it's easy to forgive someone that approaches you in that type of way. Now you might still be frustrated or mad or, or things. But you know what? You're able to step into forgiveness a lot easier. And I think a lot of times we want people to apologize to us. And we struggle. We're waiting with, for, and we're waiting in this unforgiveness, waiting for them to come to us, for them to call us up, for them to pull us aside and say, hey, like, I'm sorry I did that, or I didn't realize how that made you feel, and, and apologize in that type of way. But that doesn't always happen. It's not about, like, uh, us waiting for that person, and that's when we can forgive them. Uh, how do we forgive people means, and forgiving people means that we step into that regardless of what the other person does. You see, it's about you. It's not about them. It's about you and your own heart. And it's about you living in a place of peace and moving on into a healthy uh, perspective. So listen, let me just, I think it's healthy sometimes for us to just kind of clear the air. And I want you to do it with someone around you right now and just turn to them and say, listen, I forgive you. Do it right now. Just turn to them and just say, hey, I forgive you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Listen, I believe marriages are being healed this morning of a fight on the way to church or something or some tensions being resolved between friends right now. Maybe, listen, there's a buzz in this place because like God's just bringing forgiveness in this place. But that's the reality is like we can be proactive in that. We can we can forgive people. We can kind of put ourselves out there and we can speak that. I, we speak that I forgive you before someone is coming to us seeking forgiveness. That's the power of living with forgiveness in your life. I want to look today, while we wrestle with forgiveness, I want to look at a conversation Jesus has with the disciples about unforgiveness. And when we're asking for, uh, I feel like it's a moment in scripture that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 18 today that I feel like if there was a scripture that was an asking for a friend moment, it's when Peter approaches Jesus to ask him about forgiveness. And I, I feel like it's kind of one of those moments where he's like, hey, I'm asking for a friend. And this is what it says. Jesus, Peter comes to Jesus and he's with all the disciples. And it says this, then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me. Seven times? And then Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but seven, 70 times seven. Now let's pause right there. We're going to read more in a moment. But I, now I, my mind tends to wander when I read scriptures. It's one of those moments that I feel like there's a motive that Peter is, is underlying here. That's why I feel like it's an asking for a friend moment that Peter comes up before Jesus and he's saying, hey, listen, uh, Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? I feel like maybe what has happened is Peter is staring down another disciple in the circle at this moment. Maybe it's James, the disciple, who pranked Peter the night before, you know, like, and Peter had to forgive him a little bit. Maybe, maybe James wrapped the toilet seat or something in saran wrap, you know, and just pulled the, the worst prank ever. And Peter is coming up, and he's just staring down. Uh, he's staring down uh, uh, James in the circle why he asked this question of Jesus. And I think J Peter thinks he's clever and he's generous by saying, isn't it seven times that we should forgive someone? Like seven times they've wronged you or done something. I should forgive them, right? And Jesus kind of comes back and he says, no, it's 70 times seven. 
That's actually 490 times. Could you imagine one person seriously wronging you 490 times in life? You know, I pray that that's never the relationship we have with one another. But uh, if it is, uh, Jesus is making a point right here. It's not that we reach 490 and then suddenly we cross people off. Jesus is just illustrating and and he's speaking uh, to break the paradigm right here that Peter is presenting. He's saying, oh, isn't it seven times? No, Jesus is like, it's 70 times, seven times. So it's not a matter that we're only going to forgive someone 490 times. God wants us to forgive people uh, regardless and ongoing. Jesus is illustrating that and he's saying, listen, it's it's." It's more than that. It's more than you would fathom or think that we, you should forgive someone. And so the conversation shifts a little bit, and Jesus unpacks this a little bit for the disciples. And he says, uh, as he continues on, he's, he shares a parable. Now, a parable is a story that Jesus is telling that communicates a deep truth. And in the New Testament, we can find parables that speak to Uh, the principles and the truth and the spiritual truth that God has for all of our life that we can apply. And I want to read this parable because Jesus, after this question is asked and he says it's, no, it's 70 times 7, he shares this parable and it's a parable of someone who's in debt. And this is what it says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered him to uh, to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master, uh, uh, master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him. And forgave his debt. I want to I stop right there. The story will continue in just a moment. But we get a picture in this parable that Jesus is describing right here the nature and the relationship between God and us. You see, the master represented or the king in this story is, is God, the father. And we are the, we are the servants that are indebted. And Jesus is telling this story so that we can understand the nature of God and his, di- and his desire for forgiveness and his, his uh, compassion, his forgiveness for us and what he's given to us. And we have to be reminded really all throughout scripture of who God is. I think the best thing that we can do when we're trying to figure out things like that are hard, like asking for, uh, when we're asking for a friend and what God what, what does God want us to do or how do we live that out? The best thing that we can do is dive in and understand the nature of God. We can understand his desire uh, for our relationship with him. And we see here that the, the master, the king, it says that he had pity on the servant. He had pity on him. Now, if we would go to the original language that the scripture was written in, and it is, was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, and we would look at that word pity, it actually closely aligns with the word compassion. And we have to re- remember that we, have, we serve a God that is filled with compassion for us. He's filled with compassion for where you're at, for what you're going through, for what you're facing. God is filled with compassion 
for all of us. You see, we, we might hurt, our, our hearts can be corrupt, and we've, we've sinned, but the greatest news that we have is that God sees us in our brokenness, in our, in our sinful nature, and all the wrong that we've done, and our corruption, and he says, listen, I still, I have compassion for you, and I love you so much that I am going to send Jesus so that you can have life with me and more abundantly. And I, I'm so thankful that I serve a God that loves me, that he's filled with compassion. No, he's not distant and far off. No, he cares about every detail. He loves you, and he's loved you so much that even while you're sinners, the Bible says that he sent Jesus so that we could have life, so that we could have eternal life if we just accepted and built that, that relationship back with him. And that God has compassion for where you're at. So even if you're wrong, let me tell you, God has compassion for where you're at. You've been wronged and someone hurts you. He sees that hurt in you. He sees that and his heart goes out to you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to repair things. Now, I don't know if we have any parents. I'm sure we have parents in the room, but I, I want to just be real with you. I'm always real with you. I've, I think being a parent is one of the greatest things in life, but also one of the most challenging things in life. Because it really shows you who you are. It really kind of enlightens you to what you, like your behavior and your personality and who you are. Because kids kind of extract it all. Now, let me, here's what I mean by that. A number of years ago, as our kids were growing up, inevitably, one of our kids would get hurt. And I remember one time in particular, our daughter, Lexi, got hurt riding her bike. She was a new bike rider. She fell off and she cut her knee. Probably the story of a million kids that have, that's happened to them. And I, she comes inside just bawling and, and sad and she's got a little bit of blood coming down her knee and she comes to me and she's like, Dad, I fell off the bike. I, I, I hurt myself. And I, I just look at her and I'm like, you're going to be okay. And that's the extent of my compassion for her. That's where it ended, right there. Now go get them. But she's still like big crocodile tears crying. And, and, and she quickly, quickly, quickly realizes that I'm not the compassionate parent that she needs at that moment. And she goes to our, my wife, Jamie, and she goes to her. And, and she, again, Mom, I fell off the bike. And you know what Mom does? Mom scoops her up. Mom takes her and puts a Band-Aid on it and makes it all better and comforts her, dries the tears. And that's the picture of compassion. So if I'm being real, I'm not the compassionate parent that I wish I could be. And it, I, had to, I had to realize that, but thank the Lord that he gave our family Jamie. Uh, and so she would just have those moments to be compassionate for our kids, uh, even in the little scrapes and the bumps and bruises all through life. I'm just like, hey, you're going to be fine. Shake it off. Run with it. Go for it. But that's how God sees us. He has compassion for us. He sees that. His heart goes out, and he's saying, listen, I want to scoop you up. I want to make it better. I want to help you get through this. And that's important to understanding and accepting forgiveness and giving forgiveness to other people. That we have to understand that God sees us. He has compassion for us. But let's pick up the story. I want to continue because Jesus keeps going with the story. It doesn't end there that the king had uh, compassion on, and had pity on that person, but that he 
uh, the story continues, and we follow the servant and how he responds afterwards. And, and in, in Matthew 18, verse 28 through 35, this is what it says. It continues. It says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down for him and begged really the same thing. He said, "For give me a little bit more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. Uh, he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, and they told him everything that had happened. Uh, and, told, and told him everything that happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? And it continues and it says, just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to uh, prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. So we see this man that was forgiven so much, again, turns around and doesn't extend the same grace and forgiveness to someone else. Now, it's pretty easy for us right there to see ourselves in the story. It's easy to see that here we have a compassionate God, and we need to carry that same compassion to other people. And I see, when I read this scripture, I see that God has given us freedom for a, for a purpose, He's given, God has given you freedom from the depth, he, or from the debt you paid, from the sin and, for the, and, and the forgiveness that you need. He's given that. And I think it's interesting if you see that the original servant that was pleading with the king, he asked for, he asked for more time to pay it. And how gracious was the king that he didn't just say, okay, I'm going to give you more time. No, he says he forgave the debt. He wiped it away. He blotted it away. And that's the God that we uh, serve a God that says, Listen, I'm giving you the freedom, I'm wiping it away. I'm not just giving you more time to figure it out. I'm not just saying, Hey, make yourself a little bit better and then you can come to me. No, he says, Listen, I have a, a purpose for you and I'm gonna wipe away all the sin. I'm gonna, uh, God has given us that type of freedom for a purpose in our life. And that's what He's done for you. So, God's given you us freedom for a purpose. That freedom for a purpose is meant for us to be used. And the servant who owed millions there is turning around and he's trying to, he's trying to have another servant pay him back just a few thousand dollars. And our job is to realize that God has forgiven our debt so that we can live in freedom and grace. That then now we carry that same freedom and grace to every relationship around us. That we say, you know what, God, I, uh, I thank you for what you've been given. So that person that has wronged me, I'm going to give the same freedom you gave to me to them. And that's the purpose that then we now carry this love and grace that God has given to us. It's not to turn around and exact revenge, but it's to live. It has a purpose. God has a purpose in the freedom that he's given to us. And I think it all kind of comes down to this. If I could boil it down to something that, you can, that will stick with you when you walk away from here, it's this principle. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. That's what God has done. He has forgiven us, and so now we can forgive one another.
his nature his, and how he's designed life is, is that we are going to experience some pain and hurt. But we don't have to live there. We don't have to hold on to it and let it define us. Instead, we can, we can forgive and move on. And that's the healthy thing that he calls us to do, for us to deal with that, to forgive people even when they don't ask for forgiveness, even when we have the feeling in the moment where I'm like, I want to get them back. Man, I, wanna, I want them to pay for what they did. But God doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to forgive. There's a couple verses I just want to remind us of today. Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See, he's forgiven us so we can forgive. Colossians 3.13 says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There it is. Forgiven people forgive people. And if we stand in that forgiveness, then we have to take that forgiveness and it has a purpose in our life for us to carry. But let me answer the question today, like how do we forgive? Because I want to give you some practical things before we close off service in just a few moments. How do we really forgive? I think there's some practical things that we need to grab hold of. First and foremost, if we're going to get ourselves in a place where we're ready and able to forgive someone. And the first thing is that we just start with humility. We admit and we see our own wrongdoings and our own brokenness first. You see that servant, he, he, he forgot his own wrongs. He forgot the amount that he owed. And he turned around and he didn't extend grace. But I think the biggest thing that we can do is just remember our own brokenness. Remember that we're not perfect. Examine our lives. Admit and see like our own wrongs and the things we've messed up and the ways that we, uh, the ways that we don't measure up. And probably the people maybe we've hurt in the past ourselves and not really understood or been aware of. And we just have to start with humility. That we just humble ourselves and we just say, you know what? I'm not the end all be all. I'm not the best that ever lived. I have brokenness. I have failures. But you know what? I need to live. I need to, I need to extend that same grace. And we start with humility. And that really helps us forgive people. I think the next thing is we got to make it more than a feeling. Make it more than a feeling. That song just goes through my head. I don't know. Maybe it's going through your head. More than a feeling. You know, like, come on. Um, I wish I had cued the music up right there, but um, we could have had just our, our moment. But it's got to be more than a feeling. You see, forgiveness isn't just a feeling like, okay, I feel like it. Now I feel like forgiving them, so I'm going to do it. See, forgiveness is a decision. It's a commitment. And it's saying, you know what? I'm going to live in forgiveness. It's more than a feeling. I'm going to live with a determination and a decision in my life that uh, I'm going to forgive uh, and work through that pain or work through that, that what needs to, to happen. And we got to make it more than a feeling. Make it a decision and a declaration in your life. And the last part I would just want to remind us and alert us to is that we just got to repeat the process. You see, we might like to think that it's real ni nice and packaged and easy and we just, uh, we just forgive someone one time. Maybe the hurt was big. Maybe it stretched out over years. And we can't, real we can't just assume that it's going to just be one time that we look for that forgiveness and suddenly everything is okay and it goes away and we don't have any bad feelings anymore. But because the reality is we're human. It's going to come back up again. 
we're gonna be reminded of it. There's gonna be things that trigger that. And I think those are the moments where we have to realize that forgiveness is a process that we have to come back to over and over and over and over in our life. And that we just re-forgive and re-forgive and re-forgive. And it doesn't matter if that person has ever come to us and apologized. We deal with our own heart because God doesn't want us to live bound by unforgiveness. He wants us to forgive. That's what God calls us to do. He calls us to just repeat that process, to over and over uh, go through life and say, you know what, I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna forgive those that have wronged me, those that have hurt me. I'm reminded of the story of, uh, it's written in a book called Unbroken, it was made into a movie as well, of uh, Louis, uh, Louis Zamperini. And he was an Olympi- Olympian that volunteered and went into World War II was captured and he ended up in a Japanese camp, an internment camp where he was tortured and beaten for years. And the story goes, if you've ever ever seen the movie or read the book, that we realize that in his life story, he was dealing with unforgiveness. Eventually he was freed from that camp and he descended into a life of alcoholism and Uh, He was just broken. He was just trying to cope with the horrors that he experienced in war. And in his life, he dealt with the pain that he went through, and eventually he met Jesus Christ. And in his story, we see that's when things shifted. No longer was he depending on alcohol or drugs or, or other mechanisms in his life to Uh, help him work through or deal with the pain. No, God started a new work and started to shift his heart. And eventually, years and years later, after he was older, he had a chance to go back to Japan. And he came face to face with one of the, the guards and one of the soldiers that, the Japanese soldiers that had imprisoned him and beaten him and tortured him for so many years. And I can imagine that in that moment, so many feelings were welling up. But the beautiful part of his story was that he had the strength and he endured that hardship and he endured the, the, the beatings and the hurt and all that. But the beauty of his story is that at that moment, something shifted sweetly in his heart and forgiveness arose to that man that had beaten him and hurt him. And beautifully and effortlessly, they embraced and he expressed his forgiveness to this man. Instead of looking for revenge, instead of saying, okay, I'm gonna take it out on this guy and having hatred for him, God so sweetly shifted his heart and helped him forgive. And I try to think like how many wars do we continue to fight and they could just be over if we would just let them go. There's so many wars in our life that we're just, they're, they're mentally taxing and emotionally taxing. And we're holding on to this battle and this war. And we just simply, God's saying, listen, just let it go. I've freely given to you. Would you just forgive them? Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.